now it's time to be educated and entertained by the country's most famous environmental scientist, Joey Diaz Research Grizzly Man, Wolves and Birds of Prey. He continues to travel all across America to bring you the very best that nature has to offer. Be ready to be amazed. Here's your host, Joey B. Hello and welcome to Joey B. Outdoor Science and Nature. Man, do I have the coolest job. I travel all across America to bring you the very best that nature has to offer. Well, I've got two great shows for you today and the next show because this is the best of Joey B. Outdoor Science and Nature. And let me say this. I've had some great experiences traveling across this country. Well, the first show that I wanted to speak about was the show on wolves. Now, I did research out in Minnesota on tracking the summer movement of wolves, and that was spectacular. So what I did for you on that show was to share with you a number of things, traits, habits that wolves and and humans, because we are encountering them. And then I also spoke about the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone because I was at the conference in Bozeman, Montana, when they were about to reintroduce the wolves into the wild. And there was controversy. You know, there was ranchers on one side saying, hey, um, I've got all these problems. Uh, One rancher, and he was very honest, said, if a wolf comes on my property, I'll shoot and kill him. And another rancher said, hey, look, if a wolf kills some of my cattle, the government will pay us pound for pound. I'm not losing anything. You saw that side. Um, There was a Native American who got up there and he allowed him to go first. And he actually sang a song about what the wolf meant to the Native Americans. And they had naturalists out there. And it was just so awesome to listen to them and what they were speaking about. You know, and me tracking wolves, let me tell you, um, I've had, and I I mentioned about all my experiences, I've had some great ones in my lifetime. This was one of the best. Um, Tracking the wolves, again, I'm in the outdoors all the time. Um, and this time with the specific purpose of seeing what wolves do and how they act during summer movements. Because we have so much research on winter movements because, you see, wolves are designed for running down prey in snow. And I sort of joke about this. If you were to put a wolf on a table and pull off all of his hair, you'd see this look skinnyish, but the legs are unbelievably extra long you'd say like that looks like a german shepherd on stilts and then you look at the size of his paws and his paws are huge and you go well why well think about this how difficult it is for a deer to move in the snow his hooves have to go in and out of the snow up and down well the wolf uses those paws the extra large ones as snowshoes because he's running on top of the crusty snow. And if he breaks into the snow, his extra long legs bound him out and up on top of the snow. So you see, we have this vision of what a wolf looks like because you see all that winter fur. By the way, um, one of the most beautiful animals in the wild is a wolf. So I share that little bit about with you. Now, another story I did was with Mega Strike Fishing Lures. And Bobby Urek, the president of the company, Bobby's become a very good friend of mine. And Gabby and I have gone down there, recorded some shows with him. Bobby took Gabby out fishing, and I was like a fly on the wall on that day. And we were bass fishing. We were all catching release people. And Gabby caught the largest bass 
Uh, you could imagine at this time, Gab was a, a young gal, and you could imagine the look on her face, and you just heard, I did it, I did it, I did it. And she had cast it down towards the edge of a pond, and Bobby looked at me, and he mouthed the words, now I, I'm behind a camera now, and he mouthed the words to me, it's a monster. And she did, missed it. And he goes, all right, I just want you to cast right back down. And, he's, and again, he's instructing her. He was her fishing guide for the day, so to speak. Or not even so to speak, he was. And he goes, just cast right down there. And bang, and she hits on it. And she's reeling and reeling. And you just hear a line going, and goes out. And she reels it back in. And we land this fish. And I took the greatest, besides my TV camera stuff, I had uh, my regular cameras, my uh, Nikon P510. It's one that I attached to my belt all the time and I take this great photo of Gab and Bobby with that photo and you know the neat thing about Bobby is the lures he has actually created these lures he used to scuba dive down and he would see how the bass react to certain things in in different situations light temperature etc and, and color and then from that Bobby started to create his own lures and developed his own mega strike fishing company. So you see his success was based on, I guess, what he did previously by being a scuba diver, seeing the fish in their natural habitat. Now, moving along to organic gardening, because many of you know by now, I happen to be an organic gardener. I've learned so much from my great friend Inspector Dave and Inspector Dave has been doing organic gardening for over 30 years and we have wanted to share with people enough knowledge because let's I, I always describe it this way organic gardening is cheaper and it's healthy so if it's cheaper than the conventional chemicals <clears throat> excuse my voice that you would put on a, your garden and that could possibly be harmful to you or the insecticides that you might spray, et cetera, the fungicides, when you can use organic ones that are cheaper and you're getting healthy fruits and vegetables for your family. We even spoke about organic lawn care because, hey, so many people across the country are spraying chemicals on their lawn. Then they're allowing their children to play on the lawn, their pets to run on the lawn, and once again, cheaper and healthier. So there is this simple little balance there. Now, I move to one of my best of's, which I thought was pretty unique. I live on a beautiful farmhouse. No, it's not old, but it's, uh, we'll say it's getting there. Uh, built of diabase stone and igneous rock, which is pretty unique to the area, the Sourland Mountains that I live in. And, well, I started to see some carpenter ants. And I wanted to know about carpenter ants because I needed to know everything there was. So I reached out to a former student who's doing her PhD on ants. So Chloe Jelly's with me and Chloe and I are discussing and I'm learning so much from her about them. And then, uh, you know, we were talking about natural ways, etc. And then I said, okay, there is a chemical, but I don't want to spray chemical. And I came up with this. So think about this one. A lot of the microbrew beers, which some are very good, by the way, uh, but the microbrew beers, um, they, they have a six-pack of plastic caps. So I cut the caps individually, 
And they had these little slits that ants could actually slide in. You flip the cap over upside down, put it on the floor. And I took the chemical and I sprayed the chemical, or actually it was a gel, um, into the cap and was able to put the cap down. So there was no chemical anywhere on my home. And the ants would take this and go back and feed their colony with it. And guess what? I was able to get rid of the carpenter ants. So first it was the science behind, and that's what I learned. And then I was able to apply that to take care of a problem in my home. And this show is brought to you by Ramsey Outdoor Stores. Whether you shop online or one of their stores, your experience will successfully gear you up for your next adventure. Go to RamseyOutdoor.com. Speaking about Ramsey Outdoor, I buy my kayaks there, so and paddleboards for that matter. Well, we did so many different shows about kayaking, about kayaking 101, how you get into it. And I always talk to people about, on all my shows, about like if something costs more, I let them know. And if there's ways in which you could save money, I also let you know that. But on two specific kayak trips, I actually ended up not with this purpose of going there, but we it was the purpose or ended up being a purpose of rescues. And one of them, I was with Ken Jacobson, real good friend of mine, former player of mine, and his family. And we were out there kayaking. I was taking him out for the day in a Monksville Reservoir, and we're paddling out there. And we see a sailboat with a woman outside the sailboat in distress. So Kenny and I zip over, we paddle, and we're trying to figure out this woman was, number one, a bit overweight. Um, that has an issue here, uh, and you'll see why. And she was, I guess, wading in the water without a PFD, a life vest on, uh, for so long. She was so tired and did not have the strength to get her back into her sailboat. Uh, her gentleman friend was in there, an older gentleman, who really couldn't help pull her in. So we're trying to come up with an idea, and... Kenny takes his kayak and he excuses himself and he zips the kayak with the front of the kayak. It's a touring one under her buttocks. And I am able to pull her then up onto the boat and we're able to rescue her. Another rescue is my great friend, Steve Nowakowski. He and I, again, on the Monksville Reservoir, and we're going to do some bass fishing out there and catch and release guys. And we're out there and we see attached to a sunken, well, the tree is underwater, except the top part of the tree is above because when they created the Monksville many years ago, they flooded an area. And we see, um, we'll call him like a 20-year-old young man and a little boy up in a tree in the water and their canoe actually had floated away. So Steve and I went to the rescue them and the young man, he'd rather be on his cell phone than try to rescue his, I believe it was his little nephew or yeah, it was a little nephew. And Steve and I were able to secure the canoe, get them back safely on land. And the whole time, we never got a thank you from this kid. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is regardless of who you are, and then I'm saying yourself, you still personally, you still need to do the right thing. So we did the right thing in this rescue. And yeah, again, I teach all about kayaking. I talk about kayak safety, canoe safety. Uh, these kids did not have PFDs on. That woman did not have PFDs. So anytime you are out on the water, um, you need to make sure 
that you have your PFDs on because my dad would always say to me, you cannot win against the wind and the water. Make sure that you're safe. Now, as a environmental scientist, well, I often have talked about birding um, and I've, I did a great show on fall migration and I also did a show just on specifically on migration of animals. And in this show, I was talking about broadwing hawks and broadwing hawks typically go, it's, it's amazing because again, we always talk about migration and to me it starts um, early August when I start to see hummingbirds zipping through and it's so cool because I got my hummingbird feeders, they're out there all the time, but now extra hummingbird feeders there, they go bang, 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 bang. But we look for that first cold front around September 15th. And that's what triggers the entire migration of broadwing hawks. Uh, all the other uh, raptors that are going or songbirds that are going slowly make their way, but this trigger says, go now. And you could be looking in the sky, and this is not an exaggeration. You could see 20, you could see 30, you could see 500, 2,000 broadwings all together and they are on a thermal because warm air rises in this large spiral and you will actually be counting them. And scientists, and I've been with them at Hawk Watches, and you would hear scientists going, and they're not just making up numbers and they're going one, two, three, four, five, seven, and they're counting us. By the way, so I've counted these numbers as well. And they're looking for currents that are really going south, southwest, um, because they're going to find their way eventually south. And you're looking at them, and once they catch that current, magically, boom, they're gone, all of them. And it's like you're, you're counting and the counting just stops because they hit the current they were looking for and they're just gone. Now, also with the birding, I have spoken about setting up your feeders, how to set up your feeders. And I've discussed the cost of different uh, types of seed because there's some seed that even costs more like black oil, sunflower seeds. And people say, well, do, do I want to spend that? And then there's other seeds that cost less, but they don't attract the same type of birds or as many birds. So are you really gaining by spending less, et cetera? And, I, and again, I can I discuss the, and make comparisons because, hey, people need to make a judgment call with your dollars and cents. Hey, I get it. Um, your enjoyment is important, but you know finances are just as important. Now, another show that I did, I spoke about corn snakes, and there are corn snakes up here in the Sourland Mountain Range, um, and I have only seen one, this is sad, I saw one on the road that was run over by a car. I have yet to find one on my farm and, um, and in the Sourlands, uh, which the preserve is attached to my farm, etc. I have not seen one yet. And the other animal I have not seen yet is a copperhead, and there are copperheads here in the Sourlands. And yeah, I'm the guy, I love snakes, I do wanna see them, but again, while I'm teaching about both of them, corn snake, non-poisonous, copperhead, poisonous, I am also teaching about habitat, so where you might find them, their foods, their feeding habits, um, when they go to hibernate, how they go to hibernate, and I discussed a really, matter of fact, the one on copperheads, and I don't want to give it away because one of you who's going to go, man, that's a cool go listen to that one because who they hibernate with is something that I learned. And it is like, I always talk about awesome animal facts. That is an awesome animal fact. And no, I'm not sharing it with you because I'd like you, don't go now. 
listen to this show, but when you get a chance, go listen to that one on Copperheads. Now, I also have a Don't Look Now series because I have had crazy encounters with animals, most of them in the wild and a few not in the wild, but they have been crazy and um, they are some of my comical podcast shows. And one is Don't Look Now, but there's a tarantula on my back. And that is with having a pink-toed tarantula in the middle, you always call it the small of your back, where you, like if you have an itch there, you can't reach it. Well, I had a tarantula there that I could not reach. And then another show that I did, it wasn't in the Don't Look Now series, but it was the Skunk Whisperer. And I had to deal with, not in the home that I am now, I also used to live in a very beautiful historic home. And in this historic home, I had skunks that had made a den right outside the front part. I, my, I had a huge driveway, long road, and but right outside my garage door. And the aroma was not so pleasant, I'm sure you could imagine. And with that not being so pleasant, I had to figure a humane way on how to eradicate these skunks. And I did. And just like I'm saying with the copperhead, if you have a problem with an animal that digs a, well, I'm just, for now, I'm just going to say a barrow because many animals have different names for what they, you know, where they live underground. I have found a simple, humane way to ask them to please leave the premises. And I'll say to you, if you have that problem, you might want to go listen to the Skunk Whisperer. Hey, and if you just want to laugh, you might want to listen to the Skunk Whisperer. But that whole Don't Look Now series um, is all comical things that have happened with me and animals in the wild. And as an environmental scientist, I did a show on plastic pollution because we have so much plastic, again, that is not being recycled, and we have so much plastic that is emptying and, and ending, up, ending up in many places, specifically in our waterways. Um, as a matter of fact, today is a fall fishing day. Uh, after I get out of the studio here, I have one task to do on the farm. And then I'm going to go out with my fly rod and go fishing for a little bit. Catch and release guy. They're releasing some big trout today. So I'll get out there, hopefully get onto a nice big old trout and then let them go and let them become a daddy or a mommy and you know and the uh, tradition continues about catch and release but with plastic pollution we have microbeads and those are tiny little particles uh, they believe it or not they used to put them in your toothpaste uh, to help make your teeth shinier as they basically there's friction against your teeth and we outlawed it but we are finding microbeads in animals in the ocean thousands of miles away from where we ever, ever, ever uh, put them into, you know, landfills, etc. So I share with you that, you know, there are many environmental issues that we need to tackle. And uh, this is one that, you know, I guess you always say, you know, close to your heart. This one's close to my heart. Now, horses. I absolutely love horses. And I did a number of shows parts one, two, and three, and I call it the ride of a lifetime because I have had many, quotation marks, rides of a lifetime. And, you know, from doing my uh, research out west and riding horseback up into the Rockies and every day climbing higher and higher to, I'm going to say the greatest was when 
we rode horseback in the Wasatch Mountain Range in Utah. And we started probably at about, I'd say somewhere around seven, 8,000 feet and ended up at 10,000 feet. And we got up to, and it's like, you're looking down on the world. But up there, there is a glaciated lake um, near the very, very top of the Rockies there. And you're looking, matter of fact, I sort of had drool coming out of my mouth because there was trout in that lake and we didn't bring rods. We just went for the ride. But just to do that climb was just, just, just awesome. I mean, you're looking at the world as nature intended you to see the world. And, and I share with you, I always say that viewing nature is free, so get out and view it. And I, so I'm sharing that with you now. Um, you know, there are so many, uh, you maybe live in a city, but there are town parks, there are city parks, there are state parks, and there are national far forests and parks. So I'm going to share with you to get out and enjoy those. And also, learn as much as you can. When you get into a state park, national park, uh, national forest, the rangers are there, and they are so helpful. And they offer, many of them offer free natural hikes. And some of your county parks, uh, they do have their own, uh, we'll call them educators that are there, and some actually are rangers too as well. And they offer some free classes so you can always go learn more about nature so that we can protect. Um, the two Ps that I'm always talking about is protect and preserve. And we need to continue to do that so our children and our children's children will see and have the same vision in their mind, in their eyes, that you have now. As an environmental scientist, I have spoke to you about two specific topics um, that are also dear to my heart. One is hurricanes. With climate change, we are seeing greater amount of hurricanes and greater in strength across the entire world. So I did a show to teach you about how to build a hurricane. So I describe actually how hurricanes, the pre part of it, the during the part, and then how hurricanes come apart. But I also speak to you about hurricane safety. Like what must you do pre? So before a hurricane, how do I prepare? During the hurricane, if I happen to be caught in it, what do I do? And then post uh, the cleanup part. And there's a safety issue to all these components. And I discussed that as well um, in regard to hurricanes. And the other one is I started to discuss about different environments that are so, two things, areas of our, actually the earth, that they only occur in certain places and we must protect and preserve them. And one is the pine barrens. And I discussed the pine barrens and where they exist and how they exist. And um, growing up, we used to play in the pine barrens uh, all the time. And as time went on, I would see pine barrens being ripped out and they're building 55 and over communities. And by the way, I have no problem with 55 and over communities, but it's where you do it. And I have strips of homes built into it. And then we um, started to you know, realize that we need to protect and preserve these areas because they are dwindling and we really only have them in a few places on earth. So again, think about enjoying nature, getting out in nature, um, viewing it, taking the photos um, and bringing them back and sharing them with people and hopefully encouraging them to protect and preserve. 
So this is the end of part one of my best of series. And my part two has so many more adventures that I will be on. Until next time, enjoy life's adventures. You can follow all of my adventures online at joeyb.tv. That's J-O-E-Y-B-E dot TV. And a very special thank you to the men and women of our armed forces for keeping us free and for our police and firefighters for keeping us safe. May God bless America. Until next time, this is Joey B. Enjoy life's adventures.